Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Linda Chu and, and I'm an assistant professor of radiology at Johns Hopkins. And today we will be talking about multi-detector CT of pancreatic cancer, pearls and pitfalls. So in this brief talk, we're going to go over some technical errors and interpretation errors that contribute to the misdiagnosis of pancreatic cancer. I'll present the material in a case-based review format of these challenges in pancreatic cancer detection and suggest some potential solutions to mitigate these errors. Pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma is the 12th most common cause of cancer, but it's the third most common cause of cancer death in the U.S., and that's because the prognosis of the disease is dismal, with only about a 5-year survival rate of 8%. More than 50% of patients already have metastatic disease at the time of diagnosis and are not candidates for surgical resection. CT and MRI are the most commonly used imaging modalities for the initial evaluation of suspected pancreatic cancer. Sensitivity of CT and MRI for detection of pancreatic cancer ranges from about 76 to 96%. But the accuracy of pancreatic cancer detection and staging critically depends on imaging technique and experience of the radiologists. We're all familiar with this classic case of PDAC in which you see this large hypoenhancing pancreatic body mass. And we oftentimes also see secondary signs, such as in this case when we have dilatation of the pancreatic duct and associated atrophy of the pancreatic body and tail. And usually with head tumors, we'll see obstruction of both the main pancreatic duct and the common bowel duct known as the double duct sign. And in some more advanced cases, we may see vascular encasement and, and stricture. Some more classic examples of PDAC. Here we have an ill-defined hypoenhancing mass within the pancreatic body. And again, we have the secondary signs of a dilated pancreatic duct and parenchymal atrophy. Here is the case on the coronal view in which we see this hypoenhancing mass in the head and we have obstruction of the common bowel duct. In this different example, we have a more infiltrative kind of growth pattern and here we do see vascular encasement of the central mesenteric vessels and some of these are better seen on the coronal images. So early findings of pancreatic cancer can be detected up to 34 months in advance prior to clinical diagnosis of PDAC in a retrospective study. And both the diagnosis and staging of PDAC are very challenging, and up to 19% of patients referred to a tertiary referral center had a change in the status of their clinical staging or diagnosis. Detection of PDAC is challenging due to various technical errors and interpretation errors, and recognition and mitigation of these errors will have a profound impact in earlier disease diagnosis and improvement of patient prognosis. When I think about the challenges in PDAC detection, I can break them down into different categories. There may be various technical challenges, and even if you perform the case with the best possible technique, there are some features about the tumors themselves that can make things challenging. There may be coexisting pathology that make detection difficult. Or the radiologist may be susceptible to cognitive errors that make the detection challenging. 
And there are also mimickers of PDAC that are either normal anatomic structures or non-neoplastic diseases that can simulate the appearance of PDAC. So first, we're going to go over some of the technical challenges. I think one of the big technical challenges is sometimes the CT scan may be obtained for a different purpose or patient may have renal insufficiency and it's obtained with a non-contrast technique. So this case was a case that was done as an outside institution and what you do see is that there's this very ill-defined soft tissue that extends from the pancreatic tail into the spleen. And it's kind of hard to figure out what exactly is going on. And in fact, the outside report said just nondescript fullness of the pancreatic tail and significance is undetermined. And frankly, if I were the referring clinician, I may be rather perplexed about what I should be doing with this case. In this case, because of underlying renal insufficiency, they pursued a non-contrast MRI at the outside institution. And again, you see this ill-defined soft tissue that's extending from the pancreatic tail to the spleen. That's still not very conclusive, and they went on to get a PET in which we see abnormal metabolic activity corresponding to this abnormal soft tissue. And this was a biopsy-proven pancreatic adenocarcinoma. A similar case here that was done at Hopkins in which my very astute colleagues noticed that there's also abnormal fullness of the pancreatic tail compared to the body. Frankly, this is a very tricky case and it can be very easy to miss. But if you look closely, there is this very subtle hypoattenuation of the tail and subtle fullness relative to the normal background pancreas. And again, you can appreciate there's this subtle fullness and subtle hypoattenuation on the coronal view. So we appropriately recommended a dedicated pancreatic protocol CT. And you see that there's a hypoenhancing mass within the tail, and it was consistent with pancreatic adenocarcinoma. So pancreatic pathology may be incidentally detected on non-contrast CT obtained for other clinical indications, and any suspicious pancreatic pathology should be further evaluated with a biphasic pancreatic protocol CT. And the recommended CT technique was published in this paper in Radiology a few years ago in which it described what the recommended technique should be and what the reporting template should be. So in this table, I have summarized the consensus recommendation in the middle column and our more specific JHU protocol on the right-hand side. So the recommendation is that you should perform the study with submillimeter section thickness, in our case, 0.6 millimeter collimation. And we give a liter of water as a neutral oral contrast because that way it won't interfere with the 3D reconstructions. We give between 100 to 120 milliliters of non-ionic contrast and inject as an injection rate of 4 to 5 milliliters per second. That way we get very nice enhancement of all the organs and very nice soft tissue differentiation between the tumor and the background pancreas. In the consensus, they recommend the pancreatic parenchymal phase with the acquisition between 40 to 50 seconds 
after injection. At Hopkins, we do tend to run it slightly earlier. We do trigger, we do bolus tracking of the abdominal aorta with a threshold of 230 Hauser units, and that usually works out to be about 35 seconds or so. And both of them, we recommend a portal venous phase. And I think image reconstruction is also very important. We routinely reconstruct into thins the 0.75 millimeter slices and the 3 millimeter slices. Most people would do the interpretation on the 3 millimeter slices because they tend to be less noisy, but the, the thins, the 0.75 millimeters, are very nice for troubleshooting. And we also routinely look at MPRs, MIPS, and 3D volume rendered images to look at vascular involvement which is critical for staging purposes. And just to emphasize the importance of the biphasic technique, this is a case of a patient with pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor. And you can see that on the arteriophase images, you can see this really brightly enhancing bilobed mass within the body. But when you look at the venous phase images that's acquired about 30 seconds later, you can barely perceive the mass all you appreciate is really this very subtle contour abnormality of the pancreas. And if the venous phase CT is all that you have, you can easily miss this pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor. A similar case here, patient with history of metastatic renal cell carcinoma to the pancreas. If you strictly just look at the venous phase images, again, you may see some of the, the small tumors, but this tumor that's actually bigger is rather hard to see, but you can see them all very clearly on the arterial phase images. Another factor on the technical side, as I mentioned, other critical MPR and 3D reconstructions. This is a very locally advanced pancreatic cancer in which you have encasement of the SMA branches and you have tumor thrombus extending into the SMV. You can make out all these findings on the axial images, but when you look on the MPR coronal images and the volume rendered images, you can appreciate this tumor thrombus extending into the SMV much easier compared to just regular axial images. Another similar case here of a locally advanced pancreatic cancer in which it encases both the arteries and the portal SME confluence. And again, some of these MIP reconstructions can help lay out the course of the vessel and allow you to further appreciate the degree of local vascular involvement. And more recently, now we are doing a lot of these cases with with cinematic rendering. And if you haven't seen these cinematic render images before, they basically use a different lighting model so that you can get more photorealistic images. You can get better shadowing effects, better depth perception. So these images are really great to look at the vascular involvement. And our surgeons really like these for pre-surgical planning. And in fact, when they really love it when we can show them in kind of a movie in which in a different patient here we just have this locally advanced pancreatic cancer that clearly is encasing the central mesenteric vessels. And with just changing the windowing effects, we can fade out the tumor and the adjacent soft tissues to fully focus on the underlying vasculature and we can see 
the effect of the vasculature so the surgeons can plan if the tumor is going to be resectable or what kind of vascular re reconstruction options that the patient has. Another technical issue that's usually more of a problem with MRI would be suboptimal image quality. This is a patient who had a pancreatic cancer, but by the time they got to the post images, had a really hard time holding their breath. As a result, all of these images are rather blurry and have a lot of respiratory motion artifact. You can still appreciate that there's a tumor there, but it would be very difficult to see in terms of vascular involvement and staging purposes. And just to show you, that mass corresponds to this FDG AVID mass on the PET-CT. The reported accuracy in determining tumor resectability is higher for CT compared to MRI, and MRI is much more susceptible to respiratory motion and other artifacts compared to CT. MR is usually reserved as a second-line modality for pancreatic cancer staging, usually in the setting where contrast-enhanced CT is contraindicated due to either severe renal insufficiency or contrast allergy. Another problem that's more commonly found with MRI than with CT would be incomplete anatomic coverage. This is a case from a patient who has history of pancreatic cysts and who has been coming for follow-up year after year. And on this MRCP, we see that there are multiple pancreatic cysts throughout the pancreas, and we just read it as stable IPMNs. What we failed to recognize is that there is this subtly T2 hyperintense lesion in the uncinate process that we did not completely cover in our axial stack of, of images. Unfortunately for the patient, on the follow-up CT 10 months later, this mass has grown significantly bigger and is locally advanced and the patient was no longer sur surgically resectable. So just be aware that the pancreatic head and uncinate process may be incompletely included in the axial MR images due to variability in patient's breath hold. And we need to educate our technologists to recognize incomplete coverage through quality assurance mechanisms. And just a shout out to CT that I think for the detection and staging of pancreatic cancer, CT is really the best modality around. And next, we'll go over some challenging PDAC cases that make the diagnosis tricky and easy to miss. So obviously, if the pancreatic cancer is small, that would make it very difficult to diagnose, such as this patient here, that it has, if you look very closely, it has a subtle hypo-enhancing area within the pancreatic body tail junction. Mm -hmm. And on the coronal, again, you see this kind of very subtle hypo-enhancement of the pancreatic body. This was not recognized on the outside, and unfortunately, on a follow-up CT eight months later, patient has developed a locally advanced pancreatic cancer and was no longer surgically resectable. So one important thing to keep in mind is that if you routinely look at the submillimeter thin CT slices, that could help you minimize any volume averaging effects and improve the visualization of the small masses. And also, I think, that reviewing coronal images also help 
because a lot of the times if you look at just straight axial images, it can be tricky to see if what you're seeing is just a little bit of a fat lobulation or if it's truly a mass. And if you look on the coronal images, that gives you a better sense of the normal contour of the pancreas. Another type of case that is very tricky would be the exophytic growth pattern, such as this case here. When you look at it, most of the pancreatic head looks pretty good, but you have this abnormal soft tissue within the retroperitoneum that's encasing the vessels. And then if you look very closely, trying to figure out where this abnormal retroperitoneal soft tissue is coming from, then you start to notice that it's contiguous with the unsinate process and there's subtle hypoenhancement there. So exophytic pancreatic mass with an infiltrative growth pattern can be mistaken for metastatic lymphadenopathy, lymphoma, neurogenic tumors, or even vasculitis. Subtle hypoenhancement of the pancreas that is continuous with this soft tissue infiltration is the clue to its organ of origin. The next type of case I would say is the most common miss that I see in cases that come through our second opinion service. So when you look at this, this case here, you see this dilated pancreatic duct that has an abrupt duct cutoff at the pancreatic neck. When you look at the rest of the, the head neck region, it looks a little bit bulbous, but you don't really see a discrete hypoenhancing mass. And again, showing the on more 3D reconstructions, again, you see this dilated pancreatic duct, and they even have an MRCP that shows dilated pancreatic duct with abrupt duct cutoff. I've seen many cases where this was dismissed as pancreatitis, but this is really a warning sign that you have to worry that there is a small mass there that's causing obstruction. This is a companion case that on the outside MRI, it was called pancreatitis. Similar to the case that I have already shown you, again, you see this mildly dilated pancreatic duct with abrupt duct cutoff. And when they got a follow-up CT a little bit later, now you see a much more discrete hypoenhancing mass that's a cause of obstruction. So up to almost 20% of PDACs demonstrate isoenhancement relative to the background pancreatic parenchyma. And isoenhancement is more commonly seen with smaller tumors. And in these cases, you really need to rely on secondary signs of pancreatic duct or common bowel duct obstruction. If you see an abrupt caliber change of pancreatic duct with atrophy, it needs to be you need to call it a pancreatic mass until proven otherwise. And sometimes cases get even more tricky, such as the case here. When you first look, you may not even appreciate much. But when you look very closely, you notice that's a normal fatty marbling pattern of the pancreas, and that fat marbling is lost within the pancreatic head, and you have this more homogeneously enhancing soft tissue in the head. This was not recognized on the outside CT, and the patient had persistent symptoms, and they proceeded to MRI, in which you see a subtly hypoenhancing mass within the head, and this was pathologically proven PDAC. Another companion case, a similar case, in which at first glance, 
again, you don't really see much of anything. But then if you look closely, you see, you recognize that's a normal fat marbling of the pancreatic head and the body. But in this neck region, that appears more solid looking and you don't have the fat marbling. And the Whipple resection showed a 1.5 centimeter Asner cell carcinoma. Similar case here, subtle, very subtle hypoenhancement in the, in the neck. And then, but one way to bring out that kind of abnormal textural change would be with cinematic rendering, in which when I show you the cinematic rendered image, you can appreciate a little bit better that subtle textural change at the neck. And here, just laying it out on the coronal view. So in these iso-enhancing tumors, the subtle textural change and loss of normal fatty lobulation is, are the most important clues in detection of these iso-enhancing masses. And 3D reconstructions and cinematic rendering may accentuate these focal textural changes. MR and PET-CT may be helpful in detection of these tumors. MR may be, have a sensitivity of about 79% and PET-CT about 74%. Another type of tricky case would be the presence of very subtle pancreatic duct irregularity. So when you look at this case here on the axial images, you appreciate a mildly dilated pancreatic duct. And when you put the images on an oblique sagittal, you appreciate that there's this dilated pancreatic duct and there's a luminal filling defect that's within the pancreatic duct. And the patient went on to a Whipple and it showed a 7 millimeter PDAC. So any dilated pancreatic duct needs to be carefully evaluated for any subtle pancreatic duct irregularity or obstructive lesion. And these subtle pancreatic duct lesions may be best shown on oblique coronal on sagittal NPR. And finally, in terms of tricky cases, sometimes even when the tumor is really large, it could be tricky, such as the case here. You see this diffusely abnormal enhancement of the pancreas and very heterogeneous and almost mask-like enlargement. So you may be thinking, could this be a cancer? Could this be pancreatitis? And that was the differential they gave on the outside, either an inflammatory process or neoplasm. And biopsy showed PDAC. But when you look at this mass a little bit more closely, you don't see a whole lot of pancreas peripancreatic soft tissue stranding or fluid like you would expect to see with pancreatitis. And it's also more mass effect, more vascular encasement and narrowing than you would typically see with pancreatitis. So that may be a clue that this is PDAC rather than pancreatitis. So diffuse tumor infiltration may mimic a, an inflammatory process, and the diagnosis can be confirmed by clinical history, lab values, and or tissue sampling. Pancreatic lymphoma can have a similar appearance, but it is less likely to cause significant pancreatic duct and common bowel duct dilatation compared to PDAC. And then we're, we're going to pause here for a little bit and go get some coffee, and then we'll come back and look at the other cases. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.